Well, well, hello everyone. Thank you for being with us and thank you for all of you who've been following Quantum Nurse, especially our Freedom International live stream. And thank you so much for everything that you do. I do hope that you're in good health and uh, you know, you're taking care of yourself, especially that our topic today is all about breast cancer and all that related things that we need to do on so that we don't have to be part of the statistics of having a breast cancer. And if you are, then it's time to listen and whatever resonates to you that will help you do find, uh, find the ways to learn about it. And of course, for your family, for whoever you know that this podcast right now, this episode is important, do share it. it you will see this in uh, BitChute and of course you will see it also in Quantum Nurse Rumble. And uh, once in a while I post at her EarthHeroes.tv. So for today, I'm so happy to have a very busy um, surgeon, a breast cancer surgeon, and, and she is one of our natives, I call it, in New Jersey, because I am also in New Jersey, and I'm just proud to have excellent uh, health or physicians or any health worker that is in New Jersey. And so that, welcome Dr. Kathleen Ruddy. Thank Am you. I saying correctly? Yes, you can. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she, as I said, she is from New Jersey and she's not just a surgeon, she's a researcher as well. And I, I'm reading all her bio. She, she's an innovative physician because she creates things. She creates um, like, you know, some patent things that she, she, she can tell you about it if she if it's necessary. But and then she's also uh, usually a founder and a leader of some organization that she creates so that, you know, we she can continue to co contribute just not just on uh, treatment like surgery, but also in prevention. So and she is an author of two books and right now I, if i miss any book just let let me know but two books and that's the end of breast cancer a virus and the hope for vaccine and also the latest one is the viability of roe dubs v jackson women's health institute so dr adi so tell us how did you end up you know many specialties you decided okay let me focus in this because it's kind of like it's hard it's me I, I don't know but you tell us why you made it and what's your most frustrating and what inspires you well i enrolled in medical school thinking that i would end up practicing as uh, an internist doing internal medicine but for women because i really enjoyed working with women but during my third year of medical school, I did a clinical rotation in surgery, which was required of all medical students. And I fell in love with surgery. So I decided, okay, that's it, I'm gonna be a surgeon. Uh, in the middle of my third year of my general surgery residency, I did a, an elective at Memorial Sloan Kettering and I was fortunate to be able to spend a month on the breast service there. My mother had had breast cancer. She was diagnosed in 1975. So I was always interested in breast cancer. And I thought I, I will have to be a breast cancer surgeon. That's what I need to do. I absolutely loved 
the month that I spent at Memorial Sloan Kettering. So when I finished my surgical residency as, as chief resident, I went over to Memorial Sloan Kettering um, and I basically talked my way into having them establish their first fellowship, uh, breast uh, surgical fellowship, um, and offered to be their first fellow. <laughs> so that worked out very well. Um, and I ended up being their first breast cancer, you know, fellow. And uh, it was a great opportunity. Um, I was hired by Cancer Treatment Centers of America following my fellowship. And I created a breast service for the largest hospital system in New Jersey. Uh, about six or seven years into that very dynamic practice, I went to Montreal and did an international master's for health leadership at McGill University. And that was when I first became aware of the existence of the breast cancer virus. And so I became very focused on trying to sort out the role that this breast cancer virus plays in causing breast cancer. And it absolutely plays a primary role in my view. Um, I then wrote the book about it, you know, the end of breast cancer virus and the hope for a vaccine, uh, created a foundation whose mission was to answer the question, does the virus cause breast cancer in women and promote the research that tries to answer that question. Um, a few years ago, as I was sort of coming to the end of my surgical practice, um, I began to, in general, consult uh, nationally and internationally and issues with regard to breast cancer. But then COVID became <laughs> everyone's most important um, field of interest. And I, at that point I had over 10,000 patients in my practice and they were very concerned about COVID too. So slowly but surely I ended up sort of transitioning, maintaining my expertise as a breast cancer surgeon, of course, but transitioning into the area of how do I take care of patients with COVID? How do I guide them and protect them and help them defend themselves? And if God forbid they come down with COVID, what is the best way to treat it. And here we are today. <laughs> We're sort of in a big pig wrestle about that, wouldn't you say? <laughs> so now you become an expert on both. But it's really important. I was just thinking of that really when, you know, especially with your book, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and all the mandates that's happening, uh, you know, so, and then you will also hear on the side where the virus was never really isolated. So how, and then, then the, 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 the theory of uh, more people adapting the theory of that terrain thing that being infected. So how do you like uh, have that conversation with your patients right now? now like yeah. if they're going to ask you, I said, Dr. Roddy, do I really need this? Or, you know, or isn't that that what's in it will make me more worse? So how do you answer that? Well, let me just um, add one other important thing, because in the middle of everything else I was doing, um, there came to my attention uh, that there was a bill in the New Jersey legislature that would require physicians to perform abortions. And I thought that can't possibly be true. <laughs> okay, well, it was true. It is true. 
uh, there's a bill that's being considered in the Senate and in the assembly that would mandate that physicians would have to perform abortions. And I was like, that is never going to happen, okay? And I got involved in the whole question of abortion. And at the same time, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health uh, Institute case. And I wrote a book all about, you know, why the Supreme Court would be well justified in not only overturning Roe, but to overturn Roe completely, not just to pitch it back to the states, but to say the right to an abortion does not exist in the United States Constitution. The United States government has been very involved in protecting the health and well-being of the unborn child beginning at the moment of conception. One only needs to look at the case of thalidomide and all of the FDA regulations that mandate justifiably that any drugs that are used must not harm the unborn child, especially during the first three weeks of life. And that viability is not an, a, an attribute that is exclusive to the unborn child. It applies to people as well as unborn children. So that was the book. So if you're interested in anything having to do with abortion, I would urge you to read the viability of Roe, especially because the Supreme Court is going to be hearing this argument on December the 1st. Okay, back to the question that, that you pose, which is how do I advise patients now with regard to COVID? And I think that the data are abundantly clear that the vaccines are not safe. They're not safe and they're not effective. And mandates are an insult to the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Um, and I it, trust and pray that they will be thwarted in every way possible. I expect that this will be something that the Supreme Court will have to render its judgment. And uh, I fully expect that it will put an end to vaccine mandates and justifiably so. So my recommendation to patients is, if you're asking me my opinion, should I get the vaccine? No, you should not get the vaccine. Well, you could say, well, what should I do? Well, there are many ways that you can protect yourself. We know that vitamin D3 blocks the entrance of the spike protein into the cell. Take vitamin D3, that's easy. Um, and if you get sick, take ivermectin. Find a physician who will prescribe ivermectin. It is safe and effective, period, end of discussion. The only discussion that we really need to have surrounds the question of why and who is behind this sinister tyranny that is trying to enforce vaccines that are dangerous and that produce the very bioweapon that was originally released from Wuhan. Who thinks this is a good idea? Who thinks this is a good idea? This is a bad idea. And the people who are promoting it, I trust and pray will be held accountable for their, and this is a very generous way of describing it, their poor judgment. So how are you managing your practice at home in your own office? And I'm sure you're connected with the hospitals are you rocking the boat so much in your well, work I, space? 
Yeah, so I'm not connected with the hospitals. When I retired uh, from being a full-time surgical oncologist specializing in breast cancer several years ago, I no longer had an affiliation. I was an independent practitioner, I was on staff, but I was not employed. But when I retired my privileges, because I don't need privileges at a hospital, I'm not operating any longer. Um, so I operate as an independent practitioner. You know, this is, you never really know how God is in charge of your life until you just do a little rewind, you know? Um, because I've, I've been wondering, you know, what if I were employed by this hospital system? What if I were still medical director of the breast service for the largest hospital system in the state? Well, you know, I, I would say I would be rocking the boat very much so. So I'm not really rocking the boat because I'm not in any of those boats. I'm, I'm functioning as an independent practitioner. Thank God I can use my own judgment and my patients, I believe, are very grateful that they have a physician who can exercise their own judgment um, to the best of you know my ability for the purpose of providing optimal care for the patient. That's it, that's the goal. So for now, especially when it comes to overall health, what is the, your, let's say, what's your primary advice or help for them when the clients talk to you or seek consultation with you? I assume you're still having your private consultation. With people, oh, sure, right? sure. Right. So, you know, I, I say to the patients, well, uh, don't take the vaccine. Don't go anywhere near the vaccine. If you were persuaded because you were afraid, and I think that most people initially got the vaccine because they were afraid, they were scared, they were spooked, and they were uncertain. And they were urged and deceived into thinking that this vaccine was safe and effective those people who were promoting it knew it was not. If you receive the vaccine, don't get a booster. If you've gotten, if you're fully vaccinated, certainly don't get the third shot. Steer clear of all of that. And if you get sick, find a physician who will prescribe ivermectin. We know the doctors have worked out very well what the supplements are that can help defend you against COVID, vitamin D3, zinc, melatonin, vitamin C. Um, these are very, very important and easy to obtain. I would suggest, one of the things I suggest to my patient, because I don't believe the tyranny is anywhere near coming to an end. I think we're going to be coming to some very severe crisis relatively soon. And so I'm saying to my patients, put it, get a year's supply. If you take vitamin D or zinc or melatonin, whatever you take, get a year's supply of that. Don't wait for it to disappear because there's a supply chain problem or somebody at the CDC thinks it's a good idea that you don't have vitamin D3 any longer or zinc or so forth. And the ones who seek your help, Dr. Roddy, are they just those who are they they have cancer already or you know or or do you see other types of situations and when when i ask about that your intervention do you also uh, consider or add any kind of 
integrative medicine approach for them? Well, I take care of women who have concerns about their breasts. Now, that might be cancer, family history, breast pain, cyst, whatever, okay? You know, if it has to do with your breast and you wanna see a specialist, I'm happy to see you. My view of integrative medicine is that you, I need to understand your whole constellation of, of health concerns. You know, what are your risk factors? What are your interests? What is your diet like? What is your exercise like? And the stress you have, you know, the whole thing, the whole thing, who are you and where are you and what are your interests and what are you willing to do? You know, not everybody wants to, you know, go on a healthy diet. Okay. If you don't want to go on a healthy diet, you know, I'll still take care of you. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to exercise, I'll still take care of you. I will continue to tell you it's a good idea not to smoke and not to drink too much and so on and so forth. So, you know, I will, I will take care of you on your terms. The patient is, you know, the boss in that regard. But if you come to me, you obviously are interested in my opinion. So I'll tell you what I think, but, you know, I'm not going to, you know, um, overrule you. Um, I'll just give you what I think is, you know, my best advice. And with this, when you said a virus and the hope for vaccine, yeah. is there is there such a vaccine already for this particular virus that, you know, it may be the cause for the yeah. breast cancer? Right, well, you know, um, and, and effective, safe and effective, at least in animal studies, virus was made um, by a consortium of uh, researchers, um, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and Italy. It was published I guess about five years ago. Um, I hesitate to move into an area where we discuss the benefit of a vaccine against breast cancer because right now the whole question of the vaccine industry is under grave scrutiny and for good reason. Mm -hmm. So I think once we can sort through how we get beyond this bio warfare that we are presently dealing with. Once we understand that we're all coordinated about what happened and what is happening and what the immediate future looks like, as far as we can tell, because there are gonna be serious consequences to those people who've been vaccinated and we must prepare for that. Wayne Gretzky said, I skate to where the puck is going to be. We've got a huge mass casualty that we're getting ready to witness across the country. Israel is seeing it right now, but we're gonna see it everywhere. And so the question of what do we do about the breast cancer virus? What about a breast cancer vaccine? I'm like, I'll get back to you on that, okay? I promise we'll get back to you on that, but we need to do this yeah. first. <laughs> okay, so what I'm really understanding is, you know, what people really need to know is it, it may be presented that everything is urgent, you got to do it right now, it's too, you know, uh, but technically, no, take your time, do your own due diligence and study things, weigh yeah. things, and so that's even when it comes to breast cancer. Well, <coughs> yeah. So... <coughs> Same thing as because even in breast, in, even in any type of cancer, when someone is diagnosed, all I know is the minute one is diagnosed, 
you know, you get fearful, but then fearful to the point that everything is urgent. So I tell my clients, I tell them, listen, take your time and weigh things, you know, feel in your heart or just see and don't make a decision like tomorrow (laughs) because nothing is urgent. I said, so, and because when, when people could just slow down and look at everything around them, especially what concerns their life. And yeah. then they could think better, decide better, whether they're gonna have this treatment, they're gonna have this surgery, right? Or this vaccine. So that's the thing is take your time and do Absolutely. study. Absolutely. And I, a lot of times patients will come in and they want it done right away. I'm like, you know, I say, this is not appendicitis. Right. Okay, we don't have to go to the OR tonight, okay? If it's for appendicitis, yes, we have to do something tonight, but we don't have to do something tonight. We have time. You have time. You explore. Mm-hmm. You want to get a second opinion. You want to get a third opinion. You want someone to review your pathology slides. You want to talk to someone about chemotherapy. You want to talk to someone about radiation. You have time. Okay. You have weeks here. You don't have forever, but you certainly have three, three weeks at least. Mm-hmm. So you want to educate yourself. Absolutely. You want to talk to different practitioners, different doctors. You want to develop a rapport. You want to feel comfortable with the doctors who are going to be taking care of you and the institution where you are going to be receiving your care. You get all that settled first, all your questions answered, and then you make your decision and then you move. You don't have to do this like, you know, in 72 hours, for heaven's sake. No, but are you aware, Dr. Roddy, that I've heard reports that there's really in, an increasing, even before, right? We know that all types of cancer seem to be just increasing, but yeah. it seems like breast cancer is increasing more and more. And I, I don't know if, and people say that, okay, it's maybe related to what they've been mandating in terms of vaccine or in terms of being afraid. Are you, are, is that correct um, to assume that everything right now, especially for breast cancer, that the rate is increasing? Well, when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, the risk was one in 14, one in 14 women with breast cancer. By the time I finished my fellowship, it was like one in eight. So it's probably moving down to like one in seven. So the incidence of breast cancer is certainly increasing. Now, the question then becomes, does the spike protein, does COVID and or the vaccines have any impact on a woman's risk for breast cancer? And hypothetically, it's a little too soon to say definitely so because, you know, we got a real data collecting problem going on here, okay? We're not really clear exactly about the data with regard to the adverse events with regard to the vaccine per se, although we've got some rather ominous suggestions that the vaccines are extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. The question is, do the vaccines increase your risk for breast cancer or cancer in general? And we now have data to show us that the answer is likely yes. Again, we don't have the data yet, but sort of like a Polaroid picture that's just starting to come into view, you know, it's starting to develop it. Mm-hmm. It looks like the spike protein was designed 
and is effective in disabling your immune system. And in so doing, you are at risk for cancers. Now, if you're a woman, you're at an increased risk for breast cancer because that's just sort of the background noise. We'll see, we'll know within six months or a year um, what the rates of cancer are in those people who've had COVID, those people who've been vaccinated, we'll know. Yeah. Is, what do you think is going to happen? You think it's going to happen that uh, more and more people will really start paying attention and not jump into all the boosters that they're offering? Because I know that others have had one booster, second booster, three boosters, and oh, some, sometimes it's such a big experiment that others are not affected. <laughs> and then others with just one, one shot, they, they, you know, they're really affected. Well, the press secretary for the prime minister of Israel at a press conference yesterday, Mm -hmm. Israel is 93%, I think it's 93% vaccinated. So Israel is effectively fully vaccinated. They have huge problems with COVID now. So it's clear that the fully vaccinated state of Israel, nation of Israel, has not been protected from COVID mm -hmm. as a result of full vaccination. And the press secretary said, therefore, we ought to stop before we go charging ahead with the third shot. We must understand first what was happening with the first two injections and don't try and just sell us this sweet story that the vaccines wear off and that's why we need the third one. And that we have this way because of the vaccines wearing off. Does your measles vaccine wear off? Does your polio vaccine wear off? Maybe some other vaccines do, but in general, vaccines don't wear off in six weeks, in six months, three months, mm -hmm. four months, six months, okay? That's not what vaccines, well, this is not a vaccine. So the nation of Israel has now stepped forward officially. This is the press secretary representing the prime minister saying, time out here. Time out until we understand what's going on. Well, by the time they understand what many of us already understand, the rest of the mm -hmm. world is gonna understand exactly what has happened to us. And it's going to be very bad news indeed. Mm -hmm. The challenge and is, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Because again, we have a tyranny to deal with. We have a bio-warfare issue to deal with. We've got constitutional rights and violations thereof to deal with. Coercion, mandates, and a mass casualty. This is a lot to deal with. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot to deal with all at once. And so those of us who have not been vaccinated, by the mercy of God, have not been vaccinated, and they are, I think, very likely the majority of Americans are not yet vaccinated. I think it's probably hovering around 50-50. They'd like us to think it's more. I think it's probably more like 50-50. So for the sake of argument, let's say it's 50-50. So those of us who are not vaccinated are going to be required 
to carry civilization forward, hopefully intact. That's our job to do that. It's going to be a big job. Yep, but there's no other way but to step up and take that responsibility and embrace it. I know we, yeah. you know, we've been doing this for a while now. You know, the um, in having this conversation just uh, with many different people and attending meetings because I try also yeah. to be engaged locally, other other than you know being engaged uh, globally. Yeah. Uh, because it, we need to have our boots on the ground as well. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. No, did you really, did you see this right away, Dr. Roddy, from the very beginning that something well, is off? No, I did not. I did not. I was always very interested in mm -hmm. pandemics. As a matter of fact, I served on the leadership council of the Harvard School of Public Health during the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Um, and I've always just been interested in pandemics. I just think it's from a public health point of view, you know, kind of intriguing. So when I heard the news, this is early January, uh, 2020, when I heard the news about what was going on in Wuhan and then in Wubei province, I was like, this is the big one. We've been expecting it. This mm -hmm. is the big one. So I was right on it. And I followed the narrative very closely, just absorbing it. Um, as it was being promulgated for the first couple of months. Uh, and I was, you know, in PPE and N95 masks and N100 masks and social, I was all over that. But then what happened in my personal experience was that it didn't quite hold together. The center did not hold because it began more and more to look like a bioweapon. Mm. And then the question was, and I began to see the papers, the 2015 paper published in Nature Medicine with Fauci all over it and Bear from North Carolina all over it and the bat lady and so forth. It was designed as a bioweapon in 2015. And they bragged all over it in Nature Medicine. Oh, look what we did. And I'm like, thank you very much. And they bragged that none of the monoclonal antibodies worked and none of the vaccines worked. And I'm like, Thanks guys, great job. <laughs> okay. Now, the, then the question in my mind, so this is like maybe February, March, was it, did it fly out the window or was it released? And then all of a sudden there was this big fanfare about the vaccines. Well, I was familiar with the mm -hmm. SARS vaccine because I was up at McGill. One of my oh. colleagues had been managing the SARS outbreak in Toronto. And I was like, wait a second, don't you all know about antibody-dependent enhancement? That's a real deal. I mean, that like kills all the animals. Why are you going to try and create an mRNA vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 when it was not a good idea with SARS-CoV-1 and with MERS? And at the same time that I began to be very concerned about where the pharmaceutical industry was going, and thinking more and more this was biowarfare and what was really going on, there were doctors on the periphery in South Africa and in India who knew enough, based on prior experience, to use hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and it was working. And I thought, oh, wait a second, we've got ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine that are safe and effective, and they're working against COVID. And they really are working, and I was seeing that in the data. And we've got vaccines that look to be dangerous and they're, you know, they're being promoted as if it was the 4th of July, you know, 24 seven. 
and what's going on with this biowarfare? And at that point, it was sort of April, May, and I thought, this is biowarfare with people who have betrayed this country in charge of this country. That's what we have going on. And so you get remdesivir with a 30% mortality rate and everybody going on ventilators when what they need is CPAP and nobody being allowed to use ivermectin, which is highly effective and so on and so forth. And then you roll out the vaccines and you have terrible immediate results, very bad side effects. And then their mandates. And I'm like, this is a, a war of biblical proportions. And then when I noticed that Israel had arranged, Netanyahu and Pfizer had arranged for Israel to be the first nation to be fully vaccinated. At that point, I thought Israel has been targeted for a Holocaust. And Dr. Zelenko basically said the same thing, is saying the same thing. And I thought, if you think that you're going to take out the nation of Israel with biowarfare and have that be a successful outcome, you had better think again. <laughs> okay. That's mm -hmm. just not going to work yeah. out well for you. And so here we are today, you know, again, with this standoff in the middle of Dodge, high noon in the middle of Dodge. Now it's, it's, I'm, unassailable, the proposition that this is biowarfare with traitors in charge of the country. And the objective is genocide for the purpose of balancing the books because the banks are bust. Mm -hmm. And if I owe you $5,000, but you're dead. I no longer owe you $5,000. But what if I owe you 22 trillion? What if I owe you $522 trillion and you're dead? That solves my, my, my accounting problem. It's it's really very sad. I, I met some people the other night and when they're asking questions or they're saying, I, you know, it doesn't make sense. I said, well, I don't think it's meant to make sense. I think the whoever, or, yeah. you know, it, it, all, all that tyrannical planning yeah. that they did and execution of this, they just, it wasn't meant to make sense. And it was meant to make us even more confused with everything. Well, so, it actually, it, it makes sense, but you've got to back up, okay? Either that or move up to very high altitude. It makes sense. Think back now to the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. They did not solve the problem then. They've been printing money. When all okay. you do is print money, you, you run into a Zimbabwe, Venezuela problem, okay? A Weimar Germany problem. You cannot- so, if we, so yeah, what you're saying is whenever we connect it to bigger picture, it makes full sense. It's, it but when we're only looking at this little yeah. nanopart nanoparticle or this yeah. little you know, bioweapon, then it may not make, make sense. And that's the- powerful thing with what happened since last year is everything is coming out and everything is getting connected and connected. And so mo most of us are learning more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So the big, the big picture is that the few people, they're not a lot of them, but they're very powerful. <laughs> they got a lot of money because they print the money. Okay. Um, they knew that the banks were going to go bust and that they would not be able to pay the bills. And some brainiacs 
you know, the supremacists got together and they're, they're as wacko as they were with Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. That hasn't changed, right? And they were like, okay, well, how about we get rid of a lot of people all at once? They thought it was a mistake because this is not really working out as planned. They thought that the release of SARS-CoV-2 in Wuhan, deliberate release, would have immediately created a pandemic with a high mortality rate. Mm. The animal studies that were performed in the ferrets, okay, with SARS-CoV-2, the spike protein that they created, showed a high mortality rate. But ferrets don't have a natural immunity to coronavirus, mm. but people do. So when the bioweapon was released, it was a it was certainly people were dying, but they were dying of remdesivir and the lack of ivermectin. But the mortality rate wasn't high enough. Out comes the vaccines for control and genocide, but they didn't plan on it taking so long. They didn't plan on the resistance. And now the true story. It's like the assassination of JFK. 58 years ago. I saw it. Okay. I was watching TV when Jack Ruby shot Oswald and I went running around the house saying, you know, Oswald's been shot, you know, three days before it was Kennedy had been shot. It wasn't until later we understood that was a CIA plan to get rid of Kennedy because he wanted peace and the CIA doesn't want peace. They want war. Okay. Now what they want these people is they want us gone. They're too, they can't control 8 billion people. They want us gone. So the big picture is they ran out of money, but they didn't run out of vanity and a thirst for power. They want us dead and we're putting up a fight. So this is how we want to die. Thank you very much. So for us, um, we needed to just really always keep ourselves open to educate ourselves on what's happening and not to not to be fearful because there's there's really solutions natural solutions yeah. better alternatives even not alternative but should be the first intervention that people needs to do if their people are if you get sick and that's that's been true all along even before 2020 you know in my practice even if I was working in ICU before, and I still know already so much about integrated medicine. And I grew up in the Philippines where we use indigenous ways. So there are ways there, and so don't panic. And um, so, you know, um, well, we can continue again in the future for our future conversation. But Dr. Roddy, if there anything more that you wanted to share in this uh, yeah, episode, please. Yeah, I'm happy to come back, but I would just like to say the time for getting more information is just about up, okay? We have all the information we need. You may not, the viewer may not, so do your homework, okay? We are at a crisis. From this moment onward, it's not about necessarily being informed. You want to stay informed, but now you must act. You must act. You must act in several ways. You must say no to the vaccine, no to the mandates, period. Absolutely. If you lose your job, you lose your job. Live to fight another day. 
You must demand if you get sick to get ivermectin and the supplements. You must support the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And you must be prepared to stand up for this country. I'm very sorry, but you have an obligation to do that. This is not a blockbuster movie where you sit in the audience and eat popcorn while the superheroes put their lives in danger. Okay, we are all in this lifeboat together and everyone is going to have to step up and do their part. And if all you can do is just reiterate the principles of the covenant with God that this country has and the support of the constitution, that's doing a lot. If you can do more, by all means, all hands to the pumps. So if you'd like to have me come back, <laughs> if anyone's yeah. still speaking to me after this, <laughs> I'm happy to come back and we can pick up where we left off. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, yeah, you know, um, you can. it's time to act, as uh, Dr. Roddy says, because we've been having this, I call it like, some of us just have this intellectual, man, mental masturbation. It feels so good to have this conversation and maybe know about it, but now what do you know about it? Because I know some people know so much that they can even share, but they're scared to attend meetings. They're scared to be in certain groups, okay? So um, no one is gonna come to save us, but ourselves, as they said, and we are, for most of us who were not born here, we came to United States so that we could better ourselves or find some ways to be more free. And so now is the time that we protect mm -hmm. because we've been here and this has been our home, okay? Right. So, right. no, one, no one is as powerful as all of us. So if you're scared, join the group, okay? All for one and one for all. Any web, any website information that you want to announce, Dr. Adi? No, I would say you do your due diligence. You, you know, don't believe a word I say. Check it out. I believe that you will come to the same conclusion. But come to your own conclusion. And when you do, stand up and be counted. Because you will have to stand up one day and you will be counted. So you might as well do it now. But how about your um, breasthealthandhealing.org? That's still connected with you? Yes, that you know what, what I would say is we have to prioritize here. Okay. okay, this is like, this is a mass casualty. This is a triage situation. You know, I'm more than happy once we've settled this big emergent problem, once we're past this and we've saved the Republic and we okay. have saved as many people patients in this mass casualty and save the world for freedom. Once we've done that, I'll be happy to direct you to breast health and healing, but not now. My job now is to save people from what is imminently threatening their lives. And that's COVID and these vaccines. Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. And thank you so much. See, I'm so happy. I have a very brave uh, surgeon here and, you know, she didn't, she, she didn't have to be doing this, you know, but out of her conscience and responsibility, she knows that she better get involved. So thank you and no. see you all next time. Thank you.